Hello, welcome to the Callcast. I am your host, Chris Collins. It is, it is now the first of March. Actually, it was the twenty eighth of February, but we've now passed midnight. I am sat in Manchester at a quarter to one in the morning, just enjoying a a cold beverage, a cold one, a pint of um, pint of Peroni. It's been a rough day. It's been a it's been a rough couple of weeks actually. Um, as you probably know from listening to the podcast, I did say that I'd get this one out on Sunday or Monday. It's been crazy, what can I say? We are now on Thursday, but still getting out before the weekend. Big weekend of, uh, of fights at two, UFC 235. Oh, oh, what a fortnight. What a fortnight for me. So, last week I was driving down the M56 motorway in the north of England. I was heading from my abode in North Wales to Manchester, to Stockport, South Manchester, where I work. And halfway through the journey, just past Runcorn, the Runcorn Junction, um, my car, I've had a few problems with the engine for a while, actually. It was, it was making like these, these crazy ticking noises. And then um, I don't know anything about cars at all. Not at all. I, I don't profess to be an expert on that whatsoever. Um, I know basics. If I ever broke down at the side of the road and it was like a wheel or something like that, like a tyre, I could change that and sort of shit like that. But yeah, I'm driving down the, the M56. I've had these problems with, with my engine sort of like making these ticky noises. Um, and when I've, whenever I've got problems with my car, I, I always go to my dad. Right? My, my dad just knows everything about everything. Um, like dads do, and he said it was something called tappets, um, something to do with a hole in the engine, uh, just uh, and something banging against the valves or something like that. But uh, the the most important thing that came out of his mouth was you you probably get another fifteen to twenty thousand miles out your car. No worries. Okay, job done. Don't worry about it. Ignore the noise, except for the noise on this morning was getting louder, and then it got really loud. And then at one point I had the volume in my car at near enough full blast. I was listening to the Joe Rogan experience actually at the time, the, the fight companion, the last fight companion that, that they did, you know, Rogan, Sharp, um, Callan and uh, Eddie Bravo. And I could just hear the engine rattling over near full volume on this. I thought something's definitely going wrong here. And then all of a sudden I saw sparks and then there was black smoke coming out of my bonnet and my car was on fire. So, that was a, a sharp stop on the hard shoulder, the left-hand side of the road, and I got out of the car. So, when you call your insurance company, so I called my insurance company after this happened, obviously, after it calmed down and everything was going on, I knew I wasn't going to die. And they had to go through all these rules with me, where they turn around on the phone, they're like, oh, we must read this out for you, and safety features at the side of the road, and road traffic collisions, and blah, 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 whatever they said. And the first thing they said was, do not get out of the driver's side door, obviously, because it's the roadside door and I could get hit by someone coming at 70 mile an hour. When my car sat on fire and there was smoke coming out of my bonnet, I flung the driver's side door open and I ran down the hard shoulder of the M56 like Arnold Schwarzenegger running away from an explosion. 
I genuinely thought my Nissan Micra, my poor Nissan Micra was going to blow up behind me. It didn't. I'm just dramatic. It didn't at all. But for a second, fire, flame, smoke, you don't know what to think. Again, I'm not an expert on cars. So yeah, that happened. We had to decide the road for an hour. Some guy in a, in a tow truck come, picked us up, took us back home to North Wales. Interesting journey back. Didn't say a word to me. Very, very quiet journey. I just spent the whole time on Auto Trader looking for another car. Now have another car sorted. Fantastic. Get that tomorrow. So that's me. That's that's half of my, uh, that's 90% of my bad week. Because it's had a knock-on effect. Because tonight, coming up to Manchester to get my new car tomorrow, I... So when I bought my car, it was 2017, the end of 2017, and I'd only just learned to drive, so light bloomer in terms of driving. And I have not, I cannot remember off the top of my head, but I've not took a foray into public transport since buying my car. So first time, public transport tonight in a year and a half. I am getting a lift off the missus, off, the, off, uh, off my girlfriend, to Chester train station, and then train from Chester to Crewe, Crew to Manchester or to Stockport rather, and then a bus from Stockport to uh, where my family lives in uh, Stockport, south of Stockport. So, on the train, the nine thirty five from Chester to Crew, platform four. Get into the uh, get into the train. I went to carry seat, and I can remember it being carry seat because I always think to myself, "Oh, carry seat is a quiet one." I think. Well, it wasn't fucking quiet tonight because ten minutes into my train journey. This Irish couple, out of nowhere, just started fighting in the middle of the carriage. As in, like, a full-blown... Not, like, an argument, like, he just got a bit heated or something. I mean, this guy stood up and was full-on blasting his missus in the face. And then she chased him up the carriage, and then they were just kicking the fuck out of each other in the middle of the carriage. I've never seen anything like it in my life. In my life. I, I was speechless. I didn't... I, I honestly didn't know what to do. And at one point, I did consider, I thought, well, the guy is, like, knocking the crap out of his girlfriend. Like, I should jump in here. But she was actually getting the better of it. Like, when... So I... Long story short, the, the train staff got involved. But when they were both being wheeled away, she didn't seem to have a mark on her at all. And he seems to have a broken nose or something because it was just blood pissing all the way down his face. But, yeah, absolutely bizarre. So that happened. Um, police everywhere when we got to crew station, transport police... Got onto the next train, no problems there. Got to stop or got onto the bus. They have new buses now. It's been that long since I've been in a bus. Um, and I got on what I thought was an old bus, but it wasn't. It's a brand new bus and it took me on a route that I didn't understand and I had to walk 40 minutes home. So, yeah, that's my short foray back into public transport. I will not be doing it again. I'm glad I've got a car again tomorrow. How I survived for 26 years on this planet without a car doing public transport, I will never, ever know. But you know what they say, you don't know what champagnes, uh, you don't know what piss tastes like rather until you drank champagne, do you? And um, I was guzzling a lot of piss before I uh, before I started down in the, the champagne of having a car, so to speak. Really poor reference, very weird. But so, so happy that I've got a car again tomorrow. And... Yeah, so it's, it's, it's been a bit of a... Sorry, I went off on a rant then, but it's been a bit of a, a crazy couple of weeks, to be honest. Um, and just bits and bobs, long story short, working from, from home because I've not been able to get to work and stuff. And 
yeah, there, there are reasons all added together why the podcast is a bit late this week. So apologies, but it's a good one, this one. It's a good one because we are... Let's start with last weekend, with the fights last weekend. So um, obviously Bellator 217 happened. That was the Bellator Dublin card. Big, important night for all the Irish fighters um, in Bellator. There's a lot of Irish talent in Bellator, actually. Um, a hell of a lot more so than there is in the UFC. Obviously, you look at Conor McGregor and the like, and you think that they're all over in the UFC. Not a chance. Um, there's quite a lot of guys um, and and women doing very, very well in Bellator. And it was a chance for all the Irish, uh, the Irish contingent in Bellator to show themselves off this one. And there was some very, very good fights and performances on the car. Charlie Ward got... Big knockout over Jamie Stevenson. That was brutal. Um, Paul Redmond, you may recognise his name. He got a, a very good decision win over Leary. Um, on the main card, the highlights, uh, Quilly's walkout, I mean, sensational. The atmosphere in the stadium was just electric. You you could feel it for, you know, for the screen as, as I was watching on Sky Sports. It was it's something to behold. And it always is with the Dublin crowds. Um, they just bring it every time. You know, the, the British crowds, um, the, the UK and Irish crowds, especially no matter where you go, are always brilliant. But Dublin just seems to raise the bar. Um, but Peter Quigley, really, really close fight with Miles Price. Um, quite an entertaining fight, but he was on the wrong end of, of a decision there. I thought Quigley would pick up a finish there, to be honest. But it was a very close fight. Miles Price, um thinking about it probably did deserve to to take the nod there and then you got the the main event you know james gallagher he's star in the making Um, a lot of people say conor mcgregor reborn and he made short work of stephen graham you know i did say on the on the podcast last week stephen graham there's a lot of things that he does well but everything that he does well uh james gallagher does better and as soon as he got to the ground there was only going to be one winner and um, halfway through the first round Choked him out, job done. And James Gallagher, you know, he he's bounced back from that really really bad knockout he had at the uh, at the hands of Ricky Bendejas. and he's off to the races again for for James Gallagher. It's back to the big show. Um, he'll be getting a much bigger fight next time out. So, props to him. UFC Prague, that was a a great fight card. Obviously, from a UK standpoint, Chris Fishgold, yes, picked up his first win in the UFC. Um, getting a submission over Daniel Tamor, I think it was in the second round. Uh, really, really good win for Chris Fishgold, uh, Scouse fighter fighting out of next gen. Um, other highlight from the prelims was Dwight Grant. Oh, if you've not seen this, there's highlight reels all over the place on Twitter. But Dwight Grant hit Carlo Pedersoli Jr. with a right hand that came from dawn of fucking time. He literally hit him that hard. Carlo Pedersoli Jr. did like a loop-de-loop and his mouthpiece went flying. I think it landed in the middle of the Bellator ring in fucking Dublin, hundreds of miles away across Europe. He hit him so hard. Um, great KO, like highlight reel KO. Good, good win for, for Dwight Grant. He, he marches on now. Main card, uh, Ankalaev looked good against uh, Breu. I thought he was going to get the, the finish beforehand, but... Even though he didn't get the finish, he looked very, very good. Uh, very composed at times. Nasty striking. Um, he broke Abreu's nose in the first round really, really bad. One of the, the worst nose breaks I've, I've ever seen. Probably the worst I've seen since... Um, he was like Rich Franklin-esque uh, against Anderson Silva. Um, 
I can't think of any other really bad nose breaks that I've seen apart from that. Maybe the one that John Jones did to, to Brandon Vera, that was a bad one as well. It was it was along the lines of that, it was bad. Um, you know, credit to Abreu for, for carrying on and putting up a bit of a fight. Uh, Petty Jan, I owe an apology to. I thought it was going to be too much too soon for him. Um, but, but he completely and utterly dominated his fight um, and, and looked magnificent. It was a big, big win for him. Uh, against John Dodson, uh, Liz Carmouche, very workmanlike win over Pudelova, um, upset the hometown crowd, but Carmouche looked good, a grappling was the difference, like I thought it would be, Alexichuk, he hit Jean Valente with a nasty body shot, it was sickening to watch, he, one of those where you can feel it yourself, um, sat hundreds of miles away, it was not good to watch, nasty, nasty knockout, but brilliant, Brilliant performance from him. Stefan Struve is retired now. Uh, he had a, a bit of a rocky start against uh, Delima, but came back and won that fight by submission, and he, he bows out on top. Stefan Struve, I've been watching him for a long, long time. Um, you know He was a veteran in the UFC when I first started watching uh, fights in the UFC a long, long time ago, so re really, really happy to see him bow out on a win. Uh, and he's going to buy the right way. He's being sensible about it after his health complications and stuff in the last few years i think it is the time for him to bow out now so good luck to him in the future and then you have the main event so tiago santos and jan blakowicz mm, it was a really really good fight it was very very close it was kind of edgy seat stuff for the first two rounds Um, i agree with what the commentary team was saying at the time and um, obviously gordon and dan hardy were saying you know is Santos going to get a little bit impatient? Is he going to start rushing things? That'll be the time where Jan, Jan Blachowicz has the experience to just stick to the game plan and, you know, piece him up a bit and win the decision. It actually went the opposite way. Jan, Jan Blachowicz came out very aggressive in the first round and Santos was the one that was patient, saw his opportunity, seized the moment, massive, massive left hand, boom, put Jan Blachowicz down. I think there was like 22 unanswered shots and that's all she wrote. That is a big, big win for Santos, and it it just sets him up nicely in the light heavyweight division now. I don't think... I mean, you've got John Jones fighting this weekend against Anthony Smith. Who else is there afterwards? Surely Santos is the top contender now. He, that might have even been enough. I mean, I think it's his third straight win, knockout win, since he's gone up to 205. That, that might be enough to get in the title shot. I don't think anyone could argue if he was given the next title shot. John Jones is saying that he wants to be fighting a lot more often, so I would not be surprised if Santos is the next uh, the next to face John Jones if he can get through Anthony Lionheart Smith this weekend, or even if he's next for, for Lionheart Smith. Um, if Lionheart Smith was to, to pull off the unthinkable this weekend, Santos has a win over him very, very recently in the last couple of years. Makes sense to run that one back for the title. And that was that, yeah, so really, really good uh, UFC Prague event. Moving on to news stories uh, for the last week. Where to start? Let's get the big one out of the way first. Um, or the one that means the most to me. So, obviously, unless you've been living in a cave, you will know that George St. Pierre has retired this week. George St. Pierre is... Just repeating what everyone else has said, basically. But George St. Pierre is... He's a hero to me. Um, he's one of the reasons why I started training in MMA years and years ago. Uh, definitely one of the reasons why I became such a fan of the sport so quickly. Uh, he's just a perfect role model. 
great fighter, um, natural born winner, one of the first to in the sport to really embrace you know like the the new wave of training and um, looking after your body um following tactics in a fight and not not just trying to go in there and just bang the seven bells a shower each other get brain trauma you know gsp is just excellent he, he made really really good opponents during his reign at the top he made really really good opponents look very ordinary um Back then, you were talking killers like the, the likes of Thiago Alves, and um, when he was Thiago Alves back in the day, Jake Shields in front of that record crowd in Toronto, Dan Hardy, um, obviously first UK fighter to ever challenge for a title, uh, nearly broke Dan Hardy's arm off. How Dan Hardy got out of some of those armbar attempts, I, I will never know. Um, who I mean, who else did he beat? Matt Hughes, obviously twice. Avenged his lost there. Uh, Avenged his lost to Sarah. He just. A brilliant, brilliant fighter came back and beat Michael Bisping. That broke my heart a little bit because I love Bisping, but just a brilliant fighter. It's hard to argue that he's not the greatest of all time. You know, bowed out at, at the top after his went over Johnny Hendricks, um, made a stand for for PEDs in the sport. I think indirectly he's probably the reason why Usada are now as big a deal as they are in the UFC. There's just not enough good things I can say about GSP. Like he's just a just seems like a magnificent guy um, he's made his millions he's been very smart throughout his career great fighter to watch and I think everyone who didn't appreciate GSP when he was active will now appreciate him now that he's gone um, and rightly so he's a fantastic fighter go back and watch his fights uh, I know I've been watching a lot more of his fights recently uh, in the last week since the news was announced so yeah without waffling on too much and and uh, letting everyone know about my secret GSP man crush that's obviously not so secret anymore after the last five minutes ranting yeah good luck to GSP one of my favourites one of my idols one of the best to ever do it uh, Struve's retired obviously I've already spoken about that but good luck to Struve that is one of the, the big news events for the week um, sticking on to that event no UFC Prague Paul Felder was obviously hospitalised um, after his uh, after his recent UFC fight, so not UFC Prague, the, the event beforehand, but sticking to UFC events, um, he was hospitalised because he was hit with a, a nasty kick by James Vick in the last round and he punctured his lung. He fought for a couple of rounds with a punctured lung, but he's obviously still in hospital. Um, I mentioned it uh, briefly, I think, in the last podcast. But yeah, I think he's still in hospital. He's recovering and stuff, so... Hopefully he has a, a, a quick recovery, but yeah, as, as far as I know, he's had an operation, he's still in the hospital, so fingers crossed he, he recovers quickly. Paul Felder, what a guy. Great commentator as well, so it's kind of the limit for him going forward, really, now that he's a contender again at, uh, at 155 as well. Matt Hughes, he's been in the news in the last week, and not for good reasons. His wife and his brother have got injunctions against him. Um, turns out he's a, a bit of a shit house really. And there's quite a few rumours going around about him on Twitter as well. Um, I've not read Matt Hughes' book, but I put it down to the fact that obviously he's had this accident. He's probably got a lot of brain trauma from his career in the UFC anyway. But apparently from reading his book and, and sort of excerpts from his book, he's not the nicest guy in the world. Um, and he, he's actually quite a bit... He's sounds like I mean if it is true some of the things that that are being taken from the book and what people are saying, I take things at face value. Like I'm not making any judgments on anyone unless I know them at the end of the day, but or unless I know the facts at least. But 
yeah, if, if any of it's true, he just seems like a bit of a... It seems like he's in a troubled place, basically. And so here's hoping that Matt Hughes gets the, the help that he clearly needs at the moment. But, yeah, that was a, a big news story this weekend. A couple of island run-ins with, with his brother and his brother's kid, I think, um, and his wife. And uh, they, they both filed uh, injunctions against him. I think he's going through a divorce with his wife as well. So it's been better times to be Matt Hughes. Uh, only other big news stories. So still waiting for a, an announcement on Connor Cowboy. But meanwhile, in the lightweight division, Poirier and Holloway have been announced for UFC 236. That will be the main event. That will be for the interim lightweight title. Um, that was supposed to be Holloway and Tony Ferguson. But apparently Tony Ferguson turned down the fight. So don't know what that one's about. Um, I'm guessing Tony Ferguson's just pissed and doesn't want to fight for an interim title after how hard done by he feels like he's been and I can kind of see where he's coming from oh, sorry just wanted a quick swig of beer then um, yeah I can kind of see where Tony Ferguson's coming from um, he shouldn't have been stripped of the title the, the way he was I mean not for the freak injury like that it's just not fair at all but yeah he turned it down and now it's going to be Poirier versus Holloway fan fucking fantastic fight Absolutely amazing fight. Cannot wait for that. Break that down a bit closer to the time. But the co-main on that one is going to be the one that I thought it was going to be for the middleweight division. Uh, looks like Rob Whitaker is going to be out for a, a little bit. So Adesanya and Gastelum are going to go at it for the interim middleweight title. And that is also a brilliant fight. So that is going to be a fantastic event. and Fantastic double header at the top of UFC 236 can not wait for that one what a card it's going to be and hopefully they'll stack it a bit heavier than they did for Adesanya's last card so this weekend the big event obviously is UFC 235 235 and that is being headlined by John Jones versus Anthony Lionheart Smith for the light heavyweight title Co-main is Tyron Woodley versus Kamaro Usman. And otherwise, the card is pretty good. I'm not going to lie. So, um, Pollyanna Viana and Hannah Cyphers is kicking it off on the, the early prelim cards. That's a great fight in the strawweight division. Um, elsewhere on the prelims, you've got Diego Sanchez versus Mickey Gall. That's a fantastic fight. Uh, Cody Staman against Alejandro Perez. That's a good fight. Misha Sakunov against Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker has a, a short turnaround. He is back facing Misha Sakunov. That is a big step up in competition for him. But what a fight that is. Jeremy Stevens against Zabit Magomed Sharabov. Oh my god. That might be fight of the night, that. That might be fight of the night, I think. Looking at the card. That is a sensational fight. Uh, Cody Garbrandt and Pedro Munoz, that's an important fight in the bantamweight division. Uh, Tizia Torres is fighting Wiley Zhang, that's an important fight for the strawweight division, for the women. And, and then obviously you've got Robbie Lawler and Ben Askren, huge fight for the welterweight division. That's a chance for Robbie Lawler to get himself back in the win column. And it's a chance for Ben Askren to introduce his motherfucking self to 170 in the UFC and prove that he is the elite fighter that everyone suspects that he is. So, I'm not going to go over all the fights, but long story short, I think um, early prelims, I think uh, Cyphers beats Viana. 
I think that'll be a decision. Gina Bazzani and Macy she- she- Macy Chiasson in the bantamweight division. I see that going to Mazzani, to be honest. I just think experience will tell the tale there. I see that being another decision. Uh, and a middleweight, the, the early prelim headliner, Edmund Shaz... Ed- Sorry, my pronunciations are horrible. Edmund Shabazian against Charles Bird. That's going to be a Charles Bird win, I think. I think Charles Bird will get a stoppage there. Moving on to prelims, just going into a bit more detail with these. So Diego Sanchez and Mickey Gall. So having a look at Diego Sanchez's recent record, obviously the last time we saw him, he looked very, very impressive against the Brit Craig White. Uh, before that, though, bit rough for him. Uh, obviously the Matt Brown KO, the, the nasty, nasty elbow, that wasn't great. Um, Al Iaquinta stopped him as well in the first round. Um, and everyone's a bit worried for Diego. I mean, I'm still worried for Diego. He used to have a, a bulletproof chin. And it just seems that he's he's getting KO'd uh, a lot easier these days now. Uh, and it did start with a Joe Lozon fight, actually, a few fights back at UFC 200. Joe Lozon got rid of him very quickly in the first round. Uh, obviously bounced back with, with a win over Martin Held. But then the two quick losses to Alaya Quinta and Matt Brown in the fashion... Fashion of the losses just wasn't great. Um, but you just don't know. I mean, you look really, really good. I know, I know Craig White's not a world beater, but you, you look very good against Craig White. And you can't ever count Diego Sanchez out, can you? I mean, he's just got so much experience. He's been in there with some of the best. Former lightweight t- title challenger uh, a long, long time ago against BJ Penn. And I think that might be the difference with this fight. Because you've got... People forget about Mickey Gall just because of the attention that's been on him. Um, he's only had six fights. He's only had six fights. You know, it's 5-1 on the UFC. Um, George Sullivan win. He, he bounced back from that loss to Randy Brown. Uh, UFC 217 beat George Sullivan by choking him out in the first. Uh, obviously, the two high-profile wins before that against CM Punk and Sage Northcutt. But this is a big, big, big step up for Mickey Gall. Um and I think it's going to be possibly too much too soon. I think Diego Sanchez is going to win this one by decision. Obviously, Mickey Gall's strong point is his ground game. But Diego Sanchez is a bastard on the ground. He's a lot better than people give him credit for. Um, he's very, very, very underrated on the ground. And you saw his grappling chops against Martin Held um, a few fights ago. He, he sort of reminded everyone um, just how good he is. Uh, and against Craig White as well, just he reminded everyone just, just how good his his wrestling, his offensive wrestling is, um, and his jiu jitsu. He's got a very very underrated jiu jitsu, uh, and it's just a product of how long he's been around the game, um, how long he's been training for. It just seems like he's been around for like decades, um, and I think that's going to be a difference in this fight. To be honest, I, I think Diego. I don't think he's going to stop him, but I think Sanchez is going to pick up the decision win there, um, and it's just. It's going to be another one that that Mickey Gall has to choke up, choke up, chalk up to experience himself. It'll make him a better fighter down the road. Cody Staman and Alejandro Perez. So Alejandro Perez is on quite the run at the moment. If it wasn't for a draw of Albert Morales, he'd be on a seven fight win streak. You know he's he's got one over Scott Jorgensen in there. Jorgensen back in the day was a, a fantastic one thirty fiver. Um, Ayori Alcantara, savvy veteran, great win. Eddie Wineland, last time out, that was a great win for him. Matthew Lopez was a great win for him. 
you know, he's the informed fighter for us. And then you've got Cody Staman, who had a rough go last time against Aljamain Sterling. But before that, it was just racking off win after win after win. Um, obviously, the two biggest wins in his um, career being the, the ones against Tom DeCanoa, the, the split decision. And then Brian Carraway after that. Close fight, really, really close fight. I think Cody Staman is going to return to winning ways here. I don't think there's going to be any sort of stoppage. I think it'll be a close fight, but I think Cody Staman will pick up a decision. Um, I just think he's, I just think he's the better fighter all round, and that's that's what this one comes down to. Alejandro Perez has got a few tricks up his sleeve, but I just think Cody Staman's very well rounded. Uh, just just walked into what was a better fighter last time out in in Aljamain Sterling. There's no dishonour in that whatsoever, and I think he returns to winning ways here. Johnny Walker and Misha Sakunov. So this one's interesting because this one, we're going to find out if Johnny Walker's legit. So Misha Sakunov, we know, is a great fighter. Apart from a, a couple of losses uh, a few fights ago against Volkanovs, Demir, Glover Teixeira, and both bad knockouts in the first round, Sakunov's got some good wins on, on his career, and... Obviously, that, that submission of Nikita Krylov, uh, Ian Kuchelara, um, Rodney Wallace was a good win. Daniel Jolly was a great win. Patrick Cummins last time out, he, he submitted Patrick Cummins in the first round um, on, on, the, on the same fight card as Volkan Ozdemir and Anthony Smith. That's the one that they headlined in October. Misha Sakunov, no joke, very experienced. Been in there with some of the best at 205. And this is uh, a big step up for Johnny Walker. It's by far the best fighter that he's ever fought. He's ever fought in his career, and I just don't think that's going to matter. Um, you've seen where Misha Sukunov's shortfalls and shortcomings come, and that's when he gets a bit too comfortable with himself, um, and, and makes basic striking mistakes. Uh, that's what cost him against Glover Teixeira, and. Um, it's what cost him in, in in his knockout loss as well to um oh god I just said his name what's his name um Volkanos Demir sorry god I can't believe I just forgot that I was just talking about it two seconds ago um it's what cost him against those Demir as well you know just basic striking mistakes very early on in that fight about thirty seconds in and I think that's what's going to cost him in this I think Johnny Walker's going to come out aggressive like he usually does. Uh, and I could see Johnny Walker ending it within the first couple of minutes. So I'm going to say that's a quick round one KO. And Johnny Walker introduces himself to the big leagues at 2.05. Jeremy Stevens has beat Magomed Sharapov. So old savvy veteran um, against the young up-and-comer. We've not seen Jeremy Stevens since July last year when he was brutally knocked out by Jose Aldo for that horrible body shot. But before that, Jeremy Stevens, you know, picked up a great win against Josh Emmett. Had that fantastic, fantastic fight against Duho Choi that he ended in the second round. Uh, unanimous decision against Gilbert Melendez. That was a great fight. But he's kind of struggled, Jeremy Stevens. You know, he's beaten some of the best in that division. Henry Brown was a great fight. He beat Dennis Bermudez not long uh, ago, a few years ago. But then when it comes to the top, top fighters at 145, he seems to struggle. So... Holloway, he was soundly beaten. Frankie Edgar, he was soundly beaten. Hanato Moicano was a close fight, but still lost that one. I, I scored it to Moicano. Uh, Cub Swanson, he, he lost to a few years ago. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I think Oliveira, he, he lost to not, not so long ago. 
he beats a lot of the good fighters at 145, but the elite guys, he, he just comes up short every time. And this this is going to be a question of... There's no doubt that Zabit is elite. Just round that. Elite Zabit. There's no doubt that Zabit is an elite fighter, but how elite is he at this point in time? And I think he's good enough to pick up the win here against Jeremy Stevens, and I think he's going to do it very convincingly. You know what you're getting with Jeremy Stevens. He's a brawler. He comes forward. He's just got destruction in both fists, and he tries to knock your head clean off its fucking shoulders. And I just don't think Zabit's going to be there to be hit. I think he's going to use all the tools in his box. I think he's going to mix his, his takedowns with his weird, unorthodox, but fantastic striking. He's just going to constantly keep Jeremy Stevens guessing. I don't think he's going to finish it because Jeremy Stevens is very tough. But I think you see a very wide, unanimous decision, possibly a 30-27, maybe even a 30-26. And then again, just like Johnny Walker in the fight beforehand, we'll be welcoming Zabit to the uh, to the big leagues at 145. Main card, Cody Garbrandt and Pedro Munoz. So Pedro Munoz is on a decent win. Uh, apart from a loss uh, a few fights back against John Dodson that was very close um, I wouldn't have been mad with Munoz actually winning that fight it was that close uh, you could argue that he's on a 7 fight win streak great wins in there um, Justin Scoggins, Rob Fon, Brian Carraway he beat the UK lad Brett Johns not so long ago fantastic fighter Pedro Munoz excellent wrestling pedigree um, but heavy hands as well he's picked up a uh, Picked up a, a couple of um, a couple of KOs in his career as well, especially his his last one against Brian Carraway was nasty. You know, that body kick that he landed, and then the the follow up punches afterwards. This one is Cody Garbrandt's fight to lose, though. Um, I don't think Munoz is going to be able to take Garbrandt down. And it, when it comes to the striking, Garbrandt is just light years ahead of him. He, he's boxing superb. Obviously, he, he used to do boxing. He was a, a keen boxer before he, he ever started his MMA career. And it, unless your name's TJ Dillashaw, I just don't think you're beating Cody Garbrandt. He's in that annoying situation. Um, a bit like Joey, ben- Joey Benavidez was at flyweight when Demetrius Johnson was around. He's beaten everyone except for the champ. Um and that's all there is to it, I think. I just think Cody Garbrandt, everything that Pedro Munoz does, Cody Garbrandt does better. Um, Pedro Munoz, better straight-up wrestler, but Cody Garbrandt's got great MMA wrestling. Uh, and I think that's going to to play the key here. I think he's, his MMA wrestling is going to be able to, to to stop him being taken down. I think his takedown take defence will, will hold up strong, and I think he possibly gets a knockout here, maybe a round one, uh, late round one, early round two stoppage against Pedro Munoz. Moving on, um, Tissio Torres and Wiley Zhang. I don't think this one's going to be particularly close at all. I'm expecting Tissio Torres, despite the fact that she's been on a bit of a rough run recently, I'm expecting her to go in there and bounce back in style against Zhang. Um, and I'm going to say she picks up usually a, a bit of a decision machine, Tissio Torres, but I'm going to say that she picks up a, a, a submission in this one. I'm going to say she picks up a second round submission and just wears on Zhang to the point where she just wilts uh, and gets her in the second round, possibly with a choke. Robbie Lawler and Ben Askren, oh, what a fight. So we've been waiting for this one for a long time. 
for two reasons. Obviously, because we love watching Robbie Lawler and because we've just been waiting for Ben Askren to, to finally get to the big leagues. So, did you hear that? That was me glass clanking down. That means I mean business. So, Robbie Lawler, again, mentioned it with a couple of fighters recently, but tough run recently. Had that fairy tale run at the top of the division then came up against Ben Askren's teammate Tyron Woodley and it didn't end too well. Picked up a, a unanimous decision win then against Donald Cerrone in a fight that I thought he possibly lost and then was beaten by Rafael Dos Anjos in a convincing decision in December 2017, although he was apparently suffering from, I think it was a knee injury in that fight and that hampered his performance, which you can believe because he didn't look like himself in that fight. So... What Robbie Lawler are we going to get? Because if we get prime Robbie Lawler, we get uh, Johnny Hendricks too, um, Robbie Lawler. If we get Rory McDonald, Robbie Lawler. If we get Carlos Condit, Robbie Lawler. You know, fantastic takedown defence, heavy, heavy hands, and just game as fuck. This is going to be a great fight. Because we know what we're going to get with Ben Askren. Ben Askren's going to walk forward, he's going to try and take you down, and then he's just going to pound on you. And that's his game plan. You walk forward, take you down, ground and pound, work for submissions or work for a finish with fists and just rinse, wash, repeat, isn't it? Like that's what we've seen throughout his career. Uh, apart from one fight, uh, an accidental eye poke in that fight with, with Luis Santos, um, that was ruled a no contest in one championship. He's just done the same to everyone. If he's not finished you, it's been a very resounding unanimous decision win. And he's been doing it against some of the best that people aren't talking about. Jay Heron is a lot better than people give him credit for. Um, he's probably come the closest to beating uh, Ben Askren. And even then, it was only because Ben Askren said he wasn't really training wrestling for that camp, which I could believe. He's beaten Douglas Lima. Um, Carl Onasu, for, for you UK fans, you'll know who that is. That was a great win. Uh, Koroshkov was a fantastic win. Um, Lyman Good, he obviously beat Lyman Good to win the Bellator welterweight title. You'll you'll recognise Lyman Good's name because he fought Damian Meyer and lost recently. Shinya Aoki, um, obviously submission legend, Japanese legend. Some some good wins on Ben Askren's record, but he's always been guilty of not been fighting in the big leagues, and this is his chance now. And if I could make a prediction, my heart says Robbie Lawler rolls back the clocks one more time, delivers a vintage performance and gets a knockout. But my head says that Ben Askren's going to take him down and control him for three rounds. And that is the way that's going to go. And I, I think we're probably 80% sure to see that. I just don't think that as good as Robbie Lawler's um, counter-wrestling is, I just don't think that we're going to see Robbie Lawler provide the answers to the problem. That is Ben Askren. And he's, he's grappling, which is just superb. Some of the best in the world at any division. So, yeah, unanimous decision for Ben Askren. I think 30-27, possibly even a 30-26, depending on how dominantly you can control Robbie on the ground. Tyron Woodley and Kamara Usman. I'm not spending a lot of time on this because I don't understand how anyone thinks Kamara Usman's going to win. Kamara Usman, great fighter, um, very, very talented. The only advantage he's got is that he's a big, big welterweight. But then again, so are half of the guys that Tyra Woodley's fought. You know, Robbie Lawler's a big welterweight. 
Damian Meyer's a big welterweight. Darren Till's a big welterweight. Tyron Woodley's a freak. His striking is worlds apart from Kamara Usman's. He's faster, he's got far more power, and he's better. His um, MMA wrestling's much, much better than the Kamara Usman's. He's got the speed advantage, he's got the strength advantage. There's just no... I can't see any way that Usman wins this fight. I can't see him grinding out a decision. I don't see him knocking Woodley out. I don't see him submitting Woodley. I just don't think there's any route to victory for him whatsoever. It's Tyron Woodley's fight to lose. I think, to be honest, that Woodley will catch him at some point. Um, and I don't think it's going to be too long into the fight either. I can see him finishing uh, Usman in the second or the third round, either by knockout or very similar to Darren Till. He, he knocks him down and uh, maybe picks up a finish on the ground um, just follow up strikes or or gets a submission in some way. John Jones and Anthony Smith. So Anthony Smith on a bit of a, a fairy tale run at the moment. You know, not so long ago, a few years ago, I remember reading an article about um Anthony Smith on the on the MMA blogs online, maybe 2012, 2013, talking about uh, how his career was taking a a turn for the better. Um and he and he was starting to pile up the wins again and getting back to the big leagues and he's just been everywhere um, Anthony Smith he's he's such a veteran of the sport he's been around for such a long time he made his debut in 2008 yeah I can see from his record here so 2008 um, and he's now a stellar 31 and 13 44 fights so far more fights than John Jones has had um, far more experience and he's just been there done it he's got the t-shirt and he's he's been in there with some of the best um names names on his record i mean you're talking adlon amagov uh bloody hell some of these names are uh, hodger gracie he's been in there with josh near um brock jardine if, if you remember brock jardine ufc vet and uh, says Herrera, elvis mutatic uh hector lombard was a great win for him not so long ago Obviously was beaten by Thiago Santos, but then made his debut at light heavyweight, knocks out former champion Richard Evans nastily in the first round, knocks out Mauricio Hua, who's having a bit of a career resurgence himself at the moment, nasty first round, and then had a bit of a tough time at first with Volkanovs Demir, but turned the tide um, and managed to turn that fight round and submit Ozdemir in the third round with a rear naked choke. And he deserves his opportunity. Anthony Smith, he's, he's been doing it for so long. It's just one of those feel-good stories. He, he definitely, absolutely deserves his, his opportunity. And he is in the prime of his career at the moment. Unfortunately, he's facing the greatest of all time. I'm not going to talk about drug problems with John Jones because that's not what this is about. Um. We know he's got all that going on. We know he's got that hanging over his head and there's nothing that we can do about it. So there's no point even discussing it. Let's just discuss what we know for certain, which is drugs are no drugs. Jones is the greatest of all time. He's the most talented fighter we've ever seen. And you look at his run, especially since he became champion, it is incredible. So... I mean, to get his title shot, he beat Ryan Bader. Obviously, all that stuff with Richard Evans dropping out with injury and everything, he got a shot against Mauricio Hua. Beat Shogun for the title. Submits Rampage Jackson. Submits Leo Machida. Beats Richard Evans. Submits Vitor Belfort. 
beats Chael Sonnen by TKO, beats Alexander Gustafsson in that classic at UFC 165, beats Glover Teixeira, beats Daniel Cormier, the first first person to, to ever take Cormier down in the octagon, beats Ovin St. Preux um, on short notice in his return fight after all the legal troubles that he's had, came back, beat Daniel Cormier by knocking him out even though it's now a no contest, and then beats Alexander Gustafsson, sort of cements that one, um, gets the rubber match and puts that one beyond doubt. And Anthony Smith, yeah, he's in the prime of his career. He absolutely deserves his title shot. But unfortunately, he's fighting against John Jones. And that's all there is to it. And it's just going to be a case of when does John Jones want to finish the fight? That That's all it is. He's, he's that good. I mean... If John Jones decides, oh, I fancy a bit of a run out tonight, he'll win a decision. If he if he thinks, oh, my ground game's feeling a bit good, all right, he'll take Anthony Smith down and he'll submit him. If he thinks, actually, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand and strike tonight, I'm gonna hurt him, he'll knock him out. It's John Jones's fight to lose, and the best thing that Anthony Smith can do is just get in there and cause chaos. Just try and make it as chaotic and hectic as possible. Uh, and even then, I, I'd back John Jones all the way to, to pull himself out of that one. After what I saw from him in the first Alexander Gustafsson fight, a fight he apparently didn't even train very hard for. Um, he's a born winner. He's a born champion. He's just the greatest we've ever seen. Can't say it enough times. I've said it about seven times already, I think. And there's just no way that he's going to lose this fight unless he wants to. John Jones will beat himself. No one else can beat him. And that's that. And that is also that for the podcast this week. So UFC 235, that's a big event this weekend. Um, apart from that, we will return next week. We've got some more fights to, to go over. I was going to talk about the boxing on this one, but I watched the fight. I told myself I wouldn't watch the fight, but I watched the fight. Eubank Jr. and James DeGale. It wasn't a great fight. It was sad to see DeGale go out like that. Eubank Jr., you know, looked as good as he could possibly look, and that's all I've got to say about him. Um, yeah, so <laughs> follow me on uh, social media, or follow the podcast, rather. We are at the Colcast, T-H-E-C-O-L-L-C-A-S-T, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, apart from that, please subscribe to the podcast. We're everywhere. We're on Apple, we're on Google, um, Spotify, Anchor, uh, all of them, just all of them. Um, I don't know how many different podcasting stations there are, but I guarantee you search for the Colcast on there and you will find us. Subscribe to everything because that way you don't have to listen to my voice telling you to go to listen to stuff. You'll get a nice little push notification on your phone or your device and it'll tell you to go and listen to new episodes once they are posted. Apart from that, please spread the word. Honestly, this is going to live and die by... Um, all of you telling your, your mates and your friends and your family and MMA fans and fight fans that you know that I exist and they can come and listen to my ramblings on podcast stations somewhere. So please, please, please tell everyone about the podcast and tell me what you're thinking, what you're liking and what you're not liking. It's massively appreciated, just like it's massively appreciated that you even listen to me at all. So hella appreciative, really, really am. And that is it from me for this week. I am Chris Collins. This is the Colcast and I will speak to you soon.